Well, good morning again. Yeah, I think pay cut is worst is best case scenario for him right now. So, anyway, here we are Sunday morning. You call it Splendor of Lecompton, Kansas. Even now, my kids are reciting our address and and phone numbers in their head. Do that every Saturday morning with them. Almost every Saturday morning. So, Jesus, we just thank you for your word to us. Jesus, your love and faithfulness. God is, is a blessing to us. And God, what we pray today is that you would just do in us what only you can do. God, that your word would accomplish what it sent, was sent forth to do. God, just like you said it would, that it would grow up in us and that you would bring us to that place of being exactly what you would have us to be and doing what you would have us to do, Lord Jesus, as that um, inside man grows up inside of us. And we just pray it and ask it in the righteous name of Jesus. Amen. Alright. Um, go with me to Deuteronomy 6. very rare that I ever have a word for Sunday before sometime on Saturday. And, um, you know, fresh bread. Nobody likes old, moldy bread. But uh, this week on Thursday, I ha- uh, God put this together for me. And uh, uh, I've had that happen a handful of times, and it seems like every time that happens... My Saturday is really busy for, you know, usually doing fun things, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I told Mike, I was like, oh, Sunday school should be interesting in the morning. Come in all tired and surly. <laughs> it's like, let the beating commence. Okay, so Deuteronomy 6, um, it's a really great chapter. Uh, you know, it starts out um, with him uh, reiterating some of the uh, uh, some of the commandments, and uh, you know, and really um, uh, in verse four. You know, he says, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our, our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in my, thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them on the posts of thy house, and on their gate, and on thy gates. And uh, the the Jews have some word that I'm not going to try and pronounce that they they use to refer to this particular little passage. Um, and uh, it's 
uh, to them it's like something that they all know this by heart, and this is something that uh, is kind of one of those. This is where you, this is one of those basic beginning things in in, in life, and so um, you know, of course. Of course, God's given us the Ten Commandments, but I like how even here in the Old Testament, they boil it down to loving the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and 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 putting putting His commandments, putting His word uh, in our hearts. And and that theme, of course, goes you know, throughout the Word, because you know, David said, I've, uh, "Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you." And In, uh, in Hebrews, uh, he quotes from one of the prophets about uh, writing his uh, his words, uh, his his law on the the fleshly tables of our hearts, in in our minds, with that sense of it being something that coming to a place where we don't need this input on the outside because we have this guidance on the inside. When God puts puts that word inside of us, then it it uh, it leads us from inside. Um, so I really like Deuteronomy 6. It's one of my favorite chapters. You know, and he, of course, he just he goes through and, and he reiterates some of the some of the commandments. Um, uh, so I'm going to go to uh, verse 16. And he says, "You shall not tempt the Lord your God, as you tempted him at Massa." And uh, you know, it's an interesting thing because you know, of course, it, by tempting, he's he says he's saying, you know, you're not going to put him to the test. You're not going to you're not going to put God on trial. You're not going to uh, see, you know, if I, you know, can I can I manipulate God by doing X, Y, and Z? Like, you know, of course, uh, of course, Jesus uh, quoted this. Uh, to, to the devil when he told him that he should uh, jump off of the temple, and uh, and that's you know that's a great example. It's like uh, of how of how superstitious we can be, and, and how and how uh, how religion carries with it this this sense of God being some sort of um, rabbit's foot that that you can um, somehow manipulate to your own ends. And uh, you know, uh, like that whole prayer of Jabez thing. It's like if you say this, God has to do this. You know, it's like I, I think those people probably uh, saw Aladdin one time too many. <laughs> you know, it's like he's he's not a genie in a bottle, but you know, you release him, and now he must do your bidding. It doesn't work that way. Um, but it's interesting because you know he's talking about all these commandments. And, and and he's saying don't don't tempt God, because sometimes we we tempt God or test Him with with His with His mercy and with His faithfulness. It's like how how much can I how how many buttons can I push? How how far can I I take this? It's like um, it's like children, how they 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 like to test the limits of what can I get by with. Um, you know, it's like it's like don't touch your brother. You know, they're like, I'm not touching him. It's like this is worse, but 
It's like, hey, you said don't touch him. I'm not touching him. It's like, that would be tempting. It's like you were tempting me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're provoking your brother and you're tempting me to do something uh, violent and distasteful. But um, uh, but he says, you should not tempt the Lord your God as we as uh, as you tempted him at Massa. Of course, then was when they were complaining and and saying, is God among us or not? And so it's easy to feel like you know your your flesh will come up with you know God's not with us when things go difficult again that superstition of 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 how so often how we think about God and and how we we view our relationship with him uh like yesterday for example um it's tempting to think that what am i doing wrong or or what is God trying to tell me that this happened um when in in reality it's like well it just happened, <laughs> and, um, and and uh, you know heads will roll, but that can wait till tomorrow. <laughs> you know, but you know, um, but there there's always that, and, and the devil knows we think like that, and so he's always there with that kind of. Um, it's like, would you like to know why? Like, well, this is why. You know, and and. Uh, Yes, exactly. So, so he says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded thee. You should do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee as the Lord has spoken. So, you could just boil that down, and and uh, with the word obedience, you know, because God expects right action out of us. You know, we we've been talking about that a lot lately about the difference between, you know, our salvation being by by grace, and God's expectation for our behavior. That seems to be kind of a recurring theme, and um, so it's interesting because He says you'll. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord. So if you're, uh, so it sounds like you would need to be paying attention then and and actually applying yourself to doing it. Because uh, you can do something and not do it diligently, and and they they have a, a phrase for that that I will not utter here. But um, <laughs> you do a job that is you know. Uh, a a fractional donkey, but um, uh, you know they um, you know. But being uh, but being diligent means that you're applying yourself and paying attention. You know, and David said um, that you know wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. So that requires diligence to to pay attention to what you're doing, pay attention to where you're going. So his expectation then is that we would do that. Uh, and he says you should do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord. Which is precious because uh, we have him to point us in the right direction. Um, and But we also, we have, I mean, we have his written word. It's like, um, it's like well, what would, be, what would be right and good in this situation? 
well, it's right here in, in black and white or red and white, depending on what you're looking at. But uh, it's right there for us to see, well, this is the thing that God would have us do. Um, so in, in verse 20, he says, And when thy son asked thee in time to come, what mean the testimonies and statutes and judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? And you shall say, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders and great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Excuse me. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. And I, and I like that. I, I like that passage, um, you know, because uh, it's, you know, I didn't grow up in church. And, um, and I, when I met God, I found out that... Um, you know, it was like, you know, compared to somebody who grew up in church, it's like starting from scratch at at 16. You know, it's like didn't know the first thing. It's like going to school and and starting with uh, A, B, C, and one plus one is two. I actually had to stop and think about that, and make sure I said that right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, to to grow up being taught this stuff is a is a tremendous advantage. Um, and and I know sometimes you know, I know if you grow up in church, you can struggle with this sense of oh, I'm good because you grew up with it. You know, versus knowing that you you need him personally, that you need to make that choice. But to to have that foundation to work from uh, is a is a tremendous advantage. And so God tells us it's like you know you're going to teach this stuff to your children. You know. Um, and uh, something I've been thinking about as we started doing these meetings with the young uh, young people on Friday nights, um, the the Christian church. I mean, we have Sunday school or whatever, but we have we're we don't take this nearly as seriously as the Muslims do. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I read that the book that uh, about uh, Nabil Koresh, and I mean, he was. Levi's age and had like large portions of their book memorized, you know, and because they teach them that stuff, it's like when they're going places, they're talking about about this stuff, um, you know, and uh, you know, it's like we're we're driving down the road, you know, playing trivia, you know, stuff like that, which is fine, but but just that sense of learning. The, the Word of God and, and teaching it because there's something about teaching that really teaches you too. Uh, you know, and uh, because if, and, and if you can't teach something, then you don't really know it. And I mean, obviously teaching is a learned skill, but I mean, if you can't even explain it to somebody else, then you probably don't really have it. Uh, don't have it down very well. So, um, so, uh, having someone to teach it to is a, is a really valuable thing. But I like verse 25 because it's so sticky to uh, to us uh, Western modern Christians. 
Like, what do you mean it should be our righteousness if we observe all these commandments? It's like immediately we're like, but I'm saved by grace through faith, <laughs> and and uh, you know we're we're uh, marshalling our arguments as to why why this this scripture is no longer valid because uh, because I'm not under the law and all that stuff. You know, but he's not talking about. Um, He's not talking about your salvation here. He's talking about righteousness. He's talking about right actions. Because the righteousness that that um, that uh, you know that we think of in that sense um, uh, when we're thinking about salvation, that is that merit that we get from Christ because we take His righteousness on us, um, and uh, and nothing could possibly supersede that. But you know. There's there's this sense of of obedience that that uh, that brings our right actions to a place of, of cooperating with him. You know, uh, Abraham said that he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And one of the things that about believing God is if you really believe that God is who He said He is, that He is what He said He is, and that His claims on you are what He says they are, then you would have to believe that you have to obey him and you know, and I was talking with somebody earlier this week like you know you know forget the I felt like God told me to do this I felt like God was telling me this or whatever like forget all that and what does the Bible tell me it's like let's just let's let's break it down to let's start at that level it's like okay so in x y and z situation what does the Bible say it's like okay well then then that then doing that would be obedience, you know, rather than because um, it's not that God couldn't just tell you. It's like, hey, by the way, go over here. I know He does that, but uh, and, and I, I wouldn't argue with that for a second. But uh, our our learning how to get to that place where we can hear Him telling us those things starts with, well, what does the Bible say? Because that's where we learn the voice, and that's where we learn His expectation. So. Um, but you know who who doesn't uh, get happy when you know your children or or whoever are doing the things that you ask them to do? It's it's glorious, you know, and it's funny because I don't know my you know my kids can clean their room and and I just want to like put them up on my shoulders and you know it's like give them a gold medal and put them on a box of cereal because they did thing that I asked them to do, you know, and uh, uh, I, I remember listening to this uh, uh, sermon uh, from the 80s that, that Ron preached on Abraham. He's like, we're always like, oh God, I want to be just like Abraham. <laughs> like, he's so faithful, he believed you and did what you told him to do. He's like, I want to be just like Abraham. And he's like, you are so remarkably like Abraham. It's like I, I told him to leave his family, and he took half his family with him, and, <laughs> and everything else. It's like, well, I, yeah, going back to that fractional donkey again. I kind of did it, you know. And uh, uh, there's there's nothing quite like uh, the I don't know that, that sense of well, I tried. So, no, um, so in talking about this righteousness. Said that it should be our righteousness if we observe and do all these commandments that the Lord of God's commanded us. Uh, go with me over to Romans six. 
of course, this is such a great chapter. Uh, talking about, uh, of course, as, as they all are by definition, that's one of those great things that you can just throw it out there, and everybody's, of course, going to nod along and be like, oh, yeah, totally. I don't know what it's about, but yes, yes, it's a great chapter. Uh, but, but, you know, he's talking about um, being dead to sin and, uh, and, and not... Um, you know, and being dead with with Christ and, and raised again with Him in newness of life, and uh, uh, we'll start in um, how about twelve. And it says, "Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof." Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are life from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law, but under grace. So, I like how he starts it out saying, let not uh, uh, sin reign. You, you could. It, it's, it's a choice then that you have to make. Um... And so, you know, the great thing about this, because he's he's talking about obedience here, but he's talking he's he's uh, he's boiling it down from uh, do this but don't do this, do this but don't do this. He's boiling it down to yielding to righteousness or yielding to unrighteousness, and uh, uh, it really makes it a lot simpler. To, to memorize one thing than it does to, to memorize a whole bunch of things. But he's so he says, let it not reign in your mortal body. So you 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 have this choice then to make. And and so he's talking leading up to this about being dead to sin and you know, buried with Christ and raised with him again and and, and uh so there's this power then. I like how God he he prefaces these really great statements with uh, with a statement about his power and his ability, like how he told Abram that that uh, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. Because he he gave him the answer before he gave him the 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 statement that was going to raise this question of how on earth am I supposed to do that? It's like, well, how would I be perfect? Like, well, I'm the Almighty God, and that and so that's going to be your your source for this. So, um, you know, because of course, before this, he's talking about reckoning ourselves as dead. And this morning, when I got rolled out of bed, I, I didn't have too much trouble convincing myself that my flesh was dead, indeed. But uh, yesterday, it was quite alive and well. Uh, Doreen was there when, when I had uh, I had this resurrection moment. After I got this uh, this phone call that that ruined my day, but um, anyway, um, so he says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So, um, so then it it all comes down to this yielding. It's like you have you have this you have this force pulling you towards righteousness and you have this force pulling you towards unrighteousness and and you get to choose which direction you're going to allow yourself to be pulled 
And that's where this obedience thing comes in because you know that God would have me yield to righteousness. And so uh, it's it's amazing the things that you can do when you feel that you have to or if you believe that you really have to. Like yesterday when we got into this situation, I was thinking how on earth could we get these these areas ready for this, this customer so they can move their stuff in tomorrow. Uh, I just don't see this happening. I, I don't see how we could possibly do this, but it had to be done. So we had to find a way to do it, and which involved not not getting home till almost three in the, or after three in the morning. But it got done because we knew that it had to be. And so when we when we when we believe that we have to obey God like that or that we have to yield to righteousness, if I could say it that way, that sounds less uh less ew versus you know uh you know sometimes you kinda have to you you put it a different way and you kind of lead people over the little baby gate. And uh, uh you know, sometimes in life, I think you know, facing anything that of of value, uh, there are there are obstacles, you know, and uh, so at, at first they're like these little like little hedge things, like those little deals you would buy at Home Depot around your garden, you know, and then it's a baby gate. You can still step over it. You just have to try a little harder, you know, and then you know eventually your your scaling walls or whatever, but it doesn't seem so bad because you're used to stepping over the baby gates. But uh, so it's amazing what happens when you believe that you must, you know. And so that's what he's saying in Deuteronomy six is that it should be our righteousness, you know, when we keep his commandments because I believe that I have to. It's, that it's not it's not an optional thing. So in verse fifteen he says, "What then shall we sin because we're under the law, but under grace? God forbid." Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. And it's interesting because, you know, that's that's the yielding thing that he's talking about. You know, what because you could because you could yield yourself to God, or you could yield yourself to your emotions. You could yield yourself to. Uh, to your flesh, you could yield yourself to uh, the suggestions of an unclean spirit. You could yield yourself to all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, but the, but the thing that he says here is, you, is then you become a servant to it. And so there's, it's like, um, it's like allowing a policeman to handcuff you. Once, once you let them put the handcuffs on you, your ability to resist them is going to be greatly diminished, um, and uh, and you are really effectively in their control. And then the next thing is, that's going to happen is you're going to be in the back of his car, and now now you're really under his control. And then before long, you're going to be in a concrete room with with bars on it, and you're just kind of now you're a prisoner. Now you're stuck. Um, and so, of course, that's that's why they have the show Cops on TV because people think I'm not going to let them handcuff me, <laughs> and it makes for a really interesting show sometimes. But <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, I remember seeing people uh, 
were all excited that they were coming to Lawrence. I was like, oh dear. Like, I can't even imagine. It's like, I know that guy. (laughs) So, anyway. um, uh, But he says that, uh, Know ye not to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey. His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So, I like how he connects the, the, the yielding to obedience turning into righteousness. So, same, same thing that he was talking about in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, because, and, and, he just, and he just finished saying that you're not under the law, but under grace, right? So, so with this, this covenant, you know, that's the great thing, or the, the thing that so much of Christianity has missed about grace has missed about the, the mercy and forgiveness of, of God at the cross because uh, we we feel like we can do whatever now and it really doesn't matter. And that's exactly what he's addressing here. Like, you know, we can't just sin because we're not under the law, but under grace. It doesn't work that way. So um but he's he's still talking here about obedience translating into righteousness, right action, not not necessarily you know because you could not be a Christian and and do right. You know he talks about that here too, and um, that that the Gentiles not being under the law, you know, show the work of the law because they do it. If they do, then then they are showing that in their conscience. Um, you know, but and you could do that and then get to the pearly gates and they're not going to open because because the right actions no amount of right actions is going to open the is going to open the gates it's only the blood of Jesus but the other thing about this obedience unto righteousness is that the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard so um. Your, your flesh will make these little sounds when you obey the, the things that God would have you do when it wants to do something else. Uh, and it's hard, but it's way, way harder to yield to unrighteousness and, and then deal with the aftermath. But God is, is such a good Father that He lets us do that and we learn from it. And then, and then the next time we have an opportunity to yield to unrighteousness, it doesn't seem quite so tempting. It's like, uh, you know, I just, mm. you know, and we all have those things in our life that, you know, we've all done something that's like, you know, that was so not worth it. I am never, ever going to do that again. Um, so, uh, so he says, but God be thanked in verse 17. That you were the servants of sin, but have obeyed from the heart that doc- that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded yourselves members, or your members servants to uncleanness unto and unto iniquity. <laughs> Sorry, let me try that again. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even now, or so now, yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. So now he kind of takes it a step further. He's talking about obedience unto righteousness. Now he's talking about righteousness unto holiness. And so uh, I like that. That's a great thing. And so he says, for you were the servants of sin, and you were free from righteousness. And that's a really interesting way to put it. 
you know, because you're you're going to serve like the old song says you're going to serve somebody, and so so there's this sense of you can you you're either the servant of righteousness or you're free from righteousness. You're the servant of sin or you're free from sin. You can't. It's not both. You're not you know free to to serve sin and uh, free to serve righteousness. It doesn't work that way. And so. Uh, so he says then, for when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you in those things whereof you're now ashamed? The end of those things is death. Uh, maybe not quite the, the most accurate example, but uh, those of you who've been around for a really long time uh, uh, may remember when uh, Mike and DJ and I were referred to as the Baldwin Boys. And... Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> We used to wrestle in the grass out in front of the church and then come in for service. And I wore the, the sideways rainbow hat and uh, and we were just so goofy and so weird that... <laughs> and... and uh, <laughs> well, that, that's where I'm going with this, Tim. What fruit had you... No, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's great because God has such a sense of humor, you know. You know, Sherry was like, oh, I'm so glad that my girls aren't interested in them boys. (laughs) 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 Turned out she was. No, actually, what's really fun, though, is, is, uh, you know, Back then, she really wasn't. She was like, <laughs> yeah. and, and then I just I worked my irresistible charms on her. And, <laughs> yep, yep. And now Sherry really likes me because I've given her uh, really great grandchildren. So I was, I was just telling somebody the other day. I was like, yep. I was like, uh, my wife and I got married really young because her family loved me, and my family likes her better than me. So it's like it's it's all good. But uh, so where, where I was going with that though was back in those days, back before the advent of uh, smartphones and and ni- nice small cameras, we had those big bulky things that you put up on your shoulder that you put a VHS tape in, and we did things that were captured on those tapes that was just the dumbest stuff you could imagine. And uh, there were a few things that were entertaining enough. I kind of wish we had still had them around. Like we did the slow motion Three Stooges ballet to a uh, um, while wait, we had a classical radio station playing, and that was actually pretty good. But uh, anyway, there was some really bizarre stuff on these tapes too. And um, I don't know. It was probably my late twenties or so. So probably, you know, fast forward about 10 years from the time we made these tapes. And I was thinking, you know, I think, you know, in the words of Gru, I think it's time these tapes were accidentally destroyed maliciously. So they they vanished. They they are they are gone. They live on only in the memory of those who have seen them, no matter how much they would like to forget them. But 
so it's but it's kind of like that. It's like what fruit had you in those things where you're now ashamed? It's like what what value is there to those things of that um, that are less than than the righteousness and the holiness of God? Not that you can't have fun, but but you know the the thing is is he's talking about yielding to uh, yielding to to iniquity and, and uncleanness versus yielding to to holiness and righteousness. And he's like, what what fruit is there to yield to unrighteousness? What fruit is there of that? Because we've all had those things, like we like we said before, like those things that we look back and you just kind of think, oh my gosh, like what was I thinking? Yeah, we all have those days that we wish you could just like. I know somebody who got really good at splicing VHS tapes. They would like get movies and they would actually cut out nasty scenes and tape them back together, and it was almost seamless. It was really quite impressive. But um, we all wish we could do that with our life sometimes. Like, you know that one day, I wish that I could just kind of make that day like it never happened. Or I wish I could make a time machine. That, that's always my, my um, default solution for getting out of a really bad situation. Is like, let's make a time machine. Let's go back to before this happened and let's make sure it doesn't happen. You know, it's like, okay, now that I said that, let's find, figure out what we're actually going to do. But um, so... Uh, but he says, what fruit had you in those things, or you're now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So uh, so he said that, that becoming the servant of God, having yielded then to him, because in order to become his servant, you have to yield to him first. You have to obey him. That's what he said, that whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servant you are. So having become the servant of God, he said, you have your fruit unto holiness. So this isn't so much, um, this isn't like a, a thing about merit or a thing about how, how well I'm doing or uh, you know any kind of spiritual brownie points. This is, for us, this is like a really great indicator of of how am I doing? Because sometimes it it can be a little less cut and dried than it seems like it should be. At where am I? You know, how am I doing on what I'm obeying here, or or what what am I yielding to? Uh, so uh, go with me over to Matthew seven. I'm going to wrap up real quick with this because it's almost ten thirty. So it's really, I really like how God gives you these mile markers, gives you these these things to to look at, you know, because uh, you know when you're when you're going somewhere, for example, you're driving or whatever, uh, you're looking for the signs. It's like, okay, now you're looking for you know exit whatever. So you're looking for the sign, and when you see the sign, you know you've arrived. And then, of course, the, the the friendly old guy at the gas station told you that if you if you if you hit this place, then you've gone too far. So you're looking for that sign too, and hoping you don't see it. But <clears throat> here in Matthew seven, in verse fifteen, he gives he's uh, he's going to give us a kind of one of those indicators, the, those little dipsticks of how things are going. And he says, Beware of false prophets which come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. 
Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? And uh, I, I'm no horticulturist, but I know that grapes don't grow on thorn bushes. Um, and uh, so he, you know, this interesting thing about these, you know, these false prophets is it doesn't have to be somebody prophesying per se. I mean, it could be that, um, but the the thing that I I thought of when I read this is it's it's like somebody who claims that they're a Christian, but they don't, but they yield themselves unto unrighteousness, and and uh, and and because if we don't have the the fear of God in that sense of yielding to to the obedience of things that He would have us do, then it uh, then we become hypocrites. Because we and, and the Bible says that when you know to do good and you don't, it's sin to you. So, um, uh, the thing that's interesting about this knowing people or knowing anyone by their fruit is that the fruit doesn't lie. You know, you uh, you can come up to a, a an apple tree and either there's apples on it or there aren't. There there's there's no the, the tree isn't going to try and explain it away or convince you somehow that. Well, you know, and and it's not going to flex its branches and pop out an apple somewhere to 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 prove you wrong. You should know them by their fruits. In uh, verse 17, uh, even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree can't bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth evil fruit. Well, dang it! I just looked in the mirror and now, and I see that I have no fruit. I must be, you know, or I'm bringing forth bad fruit. Even, you know, I, like I love that story that Ron tells about um, how he thought he had a naranja tree in his backyard in, in Honduras, an orange tree, naranja, but turned out that they were it was a uh, toronja tree, which is grapefruits, and they are not the same. <laughs> Not even a little bit, and except that they look vaguely similar, but uh, I don't know. Grapefruit looks large and diseased, and it smells good, but it's nasty. So unless you pour a bunch of sugar on it until you can't taste it anymore, <laughs> I'm being healthy. Look at my grapefruit. Uh, um, but the thing that I find so you know, that I think is really precious about this is that you can, you can, you can read this and you can honestly examine your life and, and look at it and say, wow, I'm bringing forth, uh, I must be a corrupt tree. I'm bringing forth evil fruit. You know, it's like, I, uh, you know, people talk to me and they go away upset or, uh, you know, people are like, they, they scatter like roaches when I come in the room. Um, you know, Maybe I'm. What, what's going on here? And then you look in the Word and you find, wow, I'm bringing forth evil fruit. I'm, I must be a corrupt tree. But here's the thing: you don't have to stay there. You know, I mean, a tree is just a tree, and if it's, I mean, and and unless you're a really nifty, handy guy and you can graft this thronha tree into a naranha tree, it's never going to bring forth oranges. It's just not. But the great thing is, is that you can yield to righteousness with a, by conscious decision of your own will and become that good tree. You can, you can 
because God will turn you into this good tree. You'll begin bringing forth good fruit. You'll talk to people and they'll go away encouraged. You'll uh, you'll come in the room and and uh, everyone will want to talk to you. And so, um, so it's precious because we then have this indicator. It's like, well, okay, so the, if the fruit is not there, then then we need to do something about it. You know? Because of course, I mean, he says here, every tree that brings forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So by your their fruits, you shall know them. You know, nobody. You know, I like how God he 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 brings these things up, and they're they're really serious and terrifying. But he just says them. It's not like not like this you know threat to end all threats. You know, it's like you know because he could tell you you know shape up, ship out, or I'm going to cut you down and throw you in the fire. Like he just he just says you know well if you don't bring forth good fruit, then I'm going to have to get rid of you. I won't have to cut you down and, and move on. So, um, and and he takes no pleasure in that because God wants us to succeed. He wants us to to do to do well, and He's given us every opportunity to do it. Because and the reason He keeps talking about that the, He He focuses so much on the yielding, the sense of yielding, and the choosing for how we we get into this place of obedience is because the he gives us power. That he, I mean, he, he puts it in us. I mean, you, you, like I said earlier, you have the ability to do far more than you would like, uh, or more than you would think. But there are those things that you couldn't get done without him helping you along. And 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 if you make that decision that this this is the direction I'm going to go, this is what I'm going to do, uh, then. Then God helps you along with that. You know, I love the the, the speech that Martin Luther gave uh, at Wittenberg when they asked him to, or they demanded that he recant. They gave him like his ultimatum, and I don't remember the whole speech, but he basically he gets to the end of it and he's like, you know, I cannot, I will not. And, he's, uh, and I love the way the guy played him in the movie, the way he did it, because he's he doesn't he's not bold. He just says it, and he swallows really hard and he says, God help me. You know, and it's not like, not not this sense of they're going to destroy me. God help me. He's thinking it's like, so help me God. You know, it's like I know that that uh, only only He could keep me at this this place that I'm at. And so, uh, when when we make that kind of decision, it's like this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm wary about making God promises because He says that's a bad idea, and I know that if I make Him a promise, I'm likely going to drop it. But I'm going to decide, God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to obey You on this thing. I'm choosing You on this thing. God help me, you know. And and He will. He absolutely will because He is completely committed to making sure that you succeed, and He's given you every tool to do it. And if you need something else, He'll get it for you. So that's what he does. So Jesus, we just we thank you. God, how you have built success into every angle of your word. And God, we just uh, pray this morning that you would um, plant these things in us. Remind us of these things, God, that, that, we, uh, uh, that we want to yield to righteousness, that we want to be... Uh, 
uh, obedient to you in all things, Lord Jesus. God, the the the, the people around us uh, can't see good fruit. God, whether it be in the church or uh, or uh, out in the world, God, no one can see the good fruit in us if we don't uh, make those choices. And God, that's what we pray. God, that you would help us to do those things. And God, that you would uh, strengthen us to make those decisions. God, and that you would help us with the follow-through. God, because that's what you do. And that's what your word is proclaimed for us. And God, we want to yield ourselves as servants to you and you alone. God, uh, in, in obedience and righteousness unto holiness. God, we just pray it and ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.